All right, good morning. Good to see all of you out there today. <clears throat> what a beautiful day, beautiful weekend we've had, huh? Amen to that. I'd like to see this go right through until Christmas Day. A little snow, then back to this. Anybody? Anybody with me? Well, thanks for being here today. If you're a guest, thanks for uh, popping in on us. <clears throat> Maybe you're from out of town visiting family. Thank you uh, for agreeing to get up and come. If you're from in town, thanks for coming, and we'd love to see more of you uh, here at Gateway. I'm Pastor Dave, and um, is, uh, it's been a privilege to be here. I came here when I was 30 years old, 30 years old. Yesterday, I turned 58. <clears throat> so that's easy math. Easy math, isn't it? Too long. Now, not long enough for me. I'd like to give it another few more years. But anyway, you know, you're here today, and I'm so happy about that. <clears throat> we have things going on in Taze Valley and in uh, Marmette this morning and Beckley. And this evening, uh, our core group will be meeting in Barbersville. So we're starting something there. So we're looking forward to that. You ready for that, Matt? You'll be ready tonight. You're on the spot for that. And so we're in a series. This is the first Sunday of November. We're in a series, the Sermon on the Mount. We're headed down the home stretch. <clears throat> we've, it's like we've turned the last corner, and we can see the finish line. It's been, uh, it's been eight sermons. This will be eight sermons in a 10-sermon series. This is expository preaching. Expository preaching is when you let the Bible dictate the topic, when you let the Bible dictate what to say about the topic. <clears throat> Last week, we were, uh, every last Sunday of the month, we do foundations. We do a topical sermon. Topical sermon is when you approach Scripture with a question, and then you see what the Bible has to say about that topic. Both are good. Both are good ways to preach. Some like expository preaching better because it's easy to follow, and you can know where we're going. If you hit that QR code in front of you, or somewhere in the building, you can get to our website and you can find the sermon page and you can find the outline. You can find the outline of the message and then on page two of the outline, you can see the, the sermons coming up in the series. And in some cases, what the next series is gonna be. <clears throat> so I encourage you to use those tools that we put there for you on the website. They're good tools. And especially with the outline, I like the outline and you should like the outline because you can tell when I'm getting close to finish. Amen. Yeah. So last week uh, we were in foundations and we talked about is Christianity true? Sermon on the Mount is this is all this is the this is waist high in the Christianity. I mean, this is what Jesus is setting apart for the people listening to him, what following him would look like, how it would be different than the uh, Jewish religion primarily, how it would look different. And last week we compared Judaism, the Jewish religion, and Islam to Christianity. <clears throat> the week before that, we were in the first part of chapter 7. We started chapter 7, which is the last chapter in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we talked about how to judge without being judgmental. Some people think, well, we're not supposed to judge. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus says to judge, but don't be judgmental. Don't be judgmental. So in the, in the word judge, we could say accountability. We're to keep each other accountable. 
Because if you signed up for this thing we call Christianity, if you signed up to be in the family of God, the body of Christ, then you also with that agreed to live a certain way, at least be moving toward that. And so if you're not living a certain way, for instance, if you, if, you, if you come and you decide you want to be a Christian and you trust Christ with your life, you follow that up with baptism and you're, you're ready to go, and then you go back and you're still living with your girlfriend or you're still cheating at work or we can just go down a list of things, then we, we can give you some time to grow, but we, we got we to start seeing some positive progress, Right? And so accountability is in line there, is in order. So when we get together, someone should challenge you and say, hey, let's, you know, I love you. We're friends. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. We want to move toward, we want to move toward what Jesus calls us to. But if I'm doing the same thing and I've got a log in my eye and I'm trying to help you with what you're doing, that's what Jesus was talking about, the first part of Matthew 7. It's judgment, but it's not judgmental. Judgmental says, I've got the problem and I'm going to hammer you about it. Now, we did that. Listen to that sermon if you get a chance. Today, we're going to move on in chapter 7. And the title that the text gives us, I think, is Good Gifts. This is Matthew 7, 6 through 12. Good Gifts. We're going to talk about good gifts. How many of you like a good gift? Yeah, you like a good gift. Last week, some of the ladies, one of the ladies groups here called me into their meeting. They said, we, we know it's your birthday coming up. We have a gift for you. And they gave me a $100 Texas Roadhouse gift card. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They know my heart and just what's south of my heart a little bit. $100. I asked him, I said, do I have to take my wife with me? Because this, I see four, four good stakes in this. I love a good gift. Good gift. Thank you. One of them sitting in here. So we all like good gifts. I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. So let's, let's look at our text, Matthew 7, starting with verse 6. Jesus says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. this, This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Sermon on the Mount, and maybe in the whole Bible. It's just so good. I love that ask, seek and knock passage. Don't you just love that? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think, I think what this is, and, and also this has lots of animals in it. If you're an animal lover, there's four animals here, dogs and pigs and snakes and fish. 
We all love a good snake every now and then when it's going the other direction, right? When it's going the other direction. And, uh, but I think the reason this is such a popular passage is for the verse I read, the last verse there, verse 12. Let me read it again. And you tell me what this verse is called. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. What's that called? Anybody know? The golden rule. The golden rule. I still remember, Bill, I remember Andy asking Opie if he knew the golden rule. And Opie said, yeah, do to others before they get a chance to do to you. That's what he said. That's not quite it, is it? Not quite, is it? So uh, the golden rule, it's not called this in the Bible. There's no, there's no uh, Greek words here that say that. In the 16th century, this became known as the golden rule. And it became known as the golden rule because of the, because of the value it placed on treating other people. It's just, the, it's just the, the right way to treat people. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Now, I want to tell you, this is not new, this, this, this idea of interacting with other people. It, it, no matter where you are or who you are or when you grew up, we have to deal with people, don't we? And we have to relate to people. That's just the nature of things. That's the way God made it. We're in relationship. Now, unless you go live on a deserted island, then you still have to deal with the Amazon guy that's coming in. Or I guess it would be a drone then, right? So maybe then you wouldn't have to deal with anybody. But most of us have to deal with other people. So how you treat people, it, how you treat people has been a topic for every religion everywhere. So this idea, this idea is not new with Jesus. The way he said it is new, but the idea is not new. This kind of idea has existed in a lot of religions. Last week, I, I talked about Islam and Judaism, the Jewish religion, in relation to the question, is Christianity true? Compare them with Christianity. And we saw that they were works-based religions. And I, I got something to tell you about that that I forgot to tell you. But, but I'm going to give Confucianism a chance today. Confucianism. You know, over in China, they had this old religion. Confucianism has a saying similar to the golden rule. It goes like this. I should have put these on the screen, but they're not on the screen. Confucianism says, do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. That's pretty close, isn't it? But can, can you catch the difference there? Confucian, Confucius said this in a negative way, didn't he? Do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. Hinduism has something similar. This is the sum of duty. Do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. Now, that might be a good parenting tactic, you know, if you have one kid that slaps the other kid, then you say, stand still, he's going to slap you back. Okay, that might motivate them. To, I don't think I want to feel that. But again, it's said in a negative sense. Buddhism, which came out of Hinduism, has a saying that says, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. So Jesus takes this and, and 
maybe Jesus came up with it first. I don't know, Confucianism is older than Christianity and so is Hinduism, Buddhism. But Jesus, he did something with it. He made it a proactive, positive statement. Do to others what you would have them do to you. The Eastern religions say don't do, Jesus says do. The Eastern religion says to hold your negative behavior in check. Jesus says it's good to hold your negative behavior in check, but more importantly, look for ways to be good. Look for ways to be good. Jesus takes a, a proactive approach to how you treat people. These take a more of a, a, a passive approach. You know, don't do what they would do to you. And so, for instance, here's, here's, a, uh, here's something you can use. Tomorrow morning, you wake up, you know you're gonna see people, right? I mean, most of us are gonna see somebody, who we work with, who we recreate with, or maybe it's just the people we live with in our family. Make a decision when you wake up, or if you're of clearer mind, like I am, later at night, not too late at night, but later at night, then make a decision then that I'm going to do this for the person that I meet tomorrow. So for instance, you know, you got to stop and get gas. You got to stop at the new Parmar and you got to get gas. Now you could pay at the pump, but you're going to make a decision. I'm going in because the last time I went in, that girl was so grouchy. I mean, what was up with her? So tomorrow I'm going to go in and I'm going to smile at her and I'm going to say something positive and so tomorrow when you get up you stop at Parmar you go in there's that grouchy girl behind the counter and instead of giving her the grouch right back or saying nothing you try to bring a smile to her face you see the difference now the other ones would say you know just you know just don't just keep your mouth shut you don't want to be hurt don't be don't be hurting Jesus takes us, he raises the bar. And that's what he does in the Sermon on the Mount. He raises the bar and says, hey, find a way to be good to someone. Find a way. Let me just, with a show of hands, how many of you could think of a way to be good to somebody you live with? You could do that before the day is over. Okay, I'm seeing some questions. Yeah, you could, you could do something. They don't even have to know about it. You could be that sneaky about it. You could, you could do something. Pro, that's, that's what Jesus is telling us to do. Now, here's what I didn't tell you last week. Judaism and Islam are both works-based religions. So they do promote doing good things. They do. The problem is they do good things so that on judgment day, they can stand before God and God will say, oh, I see you got, you got just a tad more good things than you got bad things, so you're all right, come on in. That's both Islam and Judaism are works-based religions. That's why Islam, you can earn a lot of bonus points by taking a whole bunch of people out when you die. And that kind of secures your fate. No matter how many bad things, that pushes you over the top on the good things. Both Judaism and Islam are works-based religions, and they do promote doing good things to people, unless, you, you know, unless, you, unless you're an infidel. 
but they do it for selfish reasons. They do it, they treat you a certain way because they want good things in their spiritual bank account. They do it selfishly. They don't have an intrinsic motivation to treat you right because you're a human being and they know God loves you. They have, they have selfish motivation to treat you in a certain way because they want to look good on judgment day. You know people like this. They're only helping you. They're only helping you for their own benefit. But Jesus says, no, you need to look for ways to do this. And if you need some ideas, just think about how you would want to be treated and go do that. You see, the golden rule is golden because it puts the value on people that God puts on people. That's why it's golden. People matter to God. Amen? And that should be enough for us to treat them with dignity and respect and goodness. Even though they treat us bad. Even though they might come back at us. They came back at Jesus. They treated him bad. So, uh, let's go back. That's the golden rule. That was the last verse we read. Let's jump back at the, at the beginning here and let's see what this passage has to say. What is Jesus trying to say uh, with, this, with this, these words? And so uh, I find the word give in here a lot, the word give. And that's why I have the title, Good Gifts. Verse 6, do not give dogs what is sacred. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Verse 10, if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Verse 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give? So six times in seven verses, we have the word give. So I think the golden rule has something to do with give. And so we're going to talk about good gifts. We all like them. Verse 6 is the first section we're to break out. And I simply want to say that good gifts are not meant for dogs and pigs. Now, I know we live in 2023 when people have pets. Pets were, were you know, it's, it's not a new thing, but in, in uh, poorer countries, and especially in earlier times, animals were, were not pets. They had a purpose. They may, they may alert you to somebody on the premises that shouldn't be. And you, you definitely, in most cases, you don't treat them like they're people. Now, I know we live in 2023, and some of you treat your pets like you treat, some of you treat your pets better than you treat the people in your life. Can I get an amen? You don't even have to raise your hand high. Just give me, a, just give me an eyebrow. Yeah. So this, is, this makes it harder for us to understand what's going on here. It makes it harder for us to understand this. Jesus used the word dogs and pigs here. Now, some people believe that this verse means this. Some people believe that this verse, don't give what is sacred to dogs and throw your pearls to pigs. They think it means this, that there are some people, dogs and pigs, that you should not have anything to do with and you certainly should not share the gospel with them. The, the weight of scholarship on this verse goes in that direction. Now, that might be true. It might be true, but I'm going to take a different approach. I think when Jesus used the word dogs and pigs, he was talking about dogs and pigs. I don't think he was talking about people. 
Now, what goes on their side is that the Jewish people used to refer to the Gentiles as dogs. The Jewish people would refer to those who weren't Jewish. Some of them were very pagan. They would call them dogs. There's other places in uh, scripture where you can read the word dogs and it might be referring to, to the Gentiles. For instance, in the gospels, there's a story of the, a, a, a lady, an older lady, the, a, the Syrophoenician widow who comes to Jesus and she asks for healing for her daughter. And uh, Jesus, I think with a twinkle in his eye, and I think the context tells us that, he told her, he said, and I, he's teaching, he's teaching, he said, we don't give to dogs what's on the table. This is my paraphrase of it, okay? We don't give what we're eating, we don't give that to dogs. And she came back to him, and this is why I think he had a twinkle in his eye. She said, now he used a word for dogs that they use for Gentiles. But I think he said it with a twinkle in his eye. I think he was making sure his disciples heard him because he's teaching them how you treat people. And he knew they were accustomed to calling people like her dogs. And she came back with another word for dog. She said, yeah, but even the little, the little pet dogs get the crumbs that fall from the table. And, and Jesus agreed with her and taught a lesson to his disciples that she's a human being. She's not a dog. She's loved like you might love your little lap dog. Anybody got a little lap dog? You got a little tiny dog? I mean, it's small enough that other dogs could eat your dog in one bite. Yeah, they're, they're so cute, aren't they? And so annoying. So annoying when they bark. I mean, shut up. And they got that high pitch. And you probably do. I mean, this is 2023. You probably do uh, take food right off the table and feed to that dog, don't you? Now, I, I have this, this thing. This, this, is, this is 2023, and this is not a new thing, but it's kind of new to me. It has been for a while. I have what's called a grand dog. Does anybody have a grand dog? Yeah. Grand dogs are, you know, they're like, ah, you got to treat the grand dog like it's a pet because it belongs to your, your child. And so the grand dog gets to come in the house. Now we have a dog. We had a dog. I'm sorry. We had a dog that the same daughter brought into our house, but that's when she was little and somebody out there broke the rules and we did not get asked on this. We had no choice. It just shows up at our house. And so we're just not really dog people. And it, it is a golden retriever, beautiful dog, hair everywhere, chewed up everything, used the front yard as the litter box. Uh, it just, you know, we could just keep going, couldn't we, Jameson? And we love that dog, didn't we, Jameson? Now you're supposed to shake your head this way when you talk. <laughs> and uh, she, she lived a good life. She lived, a, she ate chicken as they ran in the yard. I mean, she got fresh chicken. She got fresh chicken. If she saw a dead squirrel on the road, she would eat it. I saw a tail going down one time. She would eat an entire deer carcass. Yeah. And so we didn't care. We didn't care. Go ahead and eat it. We'll see. see what. Anyway, long story short, we, she got to where she, her, she got hit by a car. She couldn't walk. We had to, we had to put her down. 
Sad day in the house, wasn't it, Jameson? Very sad day. I'm, I'm partly kidding. It was sad because she turned and looked at me. But now we have a grand dog. And this grand dog will come up while I'm eating at the table and put its head right on my lap. And I just recently have found out that grand dogs can't eat certain things. Like I knew chocolate was on the list, but I didn't know garlic was on the list. Can't eat garlic? What about that garlic bread I've been giving the dog? And other things that the grand dog, I'm, I'm like, look, if you leave the grand dog in my house, the grand dog will eat whatever I give it. But it's like a child, so, but the child gets whatever it wants. So I've, I'm kind of mixed up here. I've, I've got to find out. But here's, here's what I know. Some people treat their dogs like their people. And it's hard for us to understand this, but here's what's, here's what's going on here. Typically, dogs and pigs don't get the best stuff. They get the scraps. That's what historically in our, in our world, that's what they get. And so Jesus, I don't think, is talking about dogs and pigs or a people group here, people that don't know him, that would, might hate him, and, and that you would have to shake the dust off your feet and move on. He told that in Luke 10 to the 72. I think he's talking here, I think he's highlighting what's sacred. And he says, don't treat what's sacred with contempt, like you're throwing it out to the dogs. If the sacred things of God in your life are like table scraps or pig food, then you are devaluing the things of God. What are those precious things in your life? What about your faith? That's a good thing and that's a good gift. It's a good gift. Are you treating it like it's a common thing? What about God's word? Are you handling it in your life the right way? Cultures before us would have loved to have had a copy of God's word. People bled and died and gave their life so we could have it. So every person could have it. And here we have it in 2023 and any version, we carry it with us in our pocket. How do you treat it? How do you handle it? You, you stone it to the dogs? What about the Holy Spirit? Are you taking him for granted? For some of us, the Holy Spirit is riding along, but we need to put him in the driver's seat. He needs to drive. He's a driver. What about a good church? Taking a good church for granted? I think there's going to come a day when, when good churches are hard to find. Good churches are hard to find. A lot of churches that started out good are dead now and dying, closing their doors. But yet there are some people who treat a good church just like if it's convenient, I'll go. If I have it, you know, in my pocket, I'll give it. If they need me to serve, I will if, if I have time. And so we, what we're doing is we're treating a good church with contempt. We're giving it the scraps. We're giving it the leftovers. The new thing now, I think, for, for people in 2023 is to be a part of two or three different churches. Two or three different churches. And, and what's going on there is you're still treating that, every, every one of those churches, with contempt. Because you can't really get invested. You can't really go all in. You can't really pour yourself into if you're trying to divide your loyalties 
I think you need to find one and, and say, I, I love a good church, and this is, this is one that is close to me, and I'm going to, I love what they teach. I love what they're doing. I want to be a part of this. I want to go all in. Christian friends, are you treating them like scraps? Prayer, is it just for emergencies? We could go down a list, but we need to hustle. Verses seven and eight, good gifts are ours for the asking. Did you know this? I love this passage. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. These verses highlight the promises of God in prayer. But like we said, we far too often take prayer for granted, don't we? We take prayer for granted. My experience in life and ministry is that way too many of us don't get on our knees. We don't get the prayer out until the water gets high, until the fire gets too hot. That's when we pull the prayer out. It's not an everyday thing for us. It's not a relationship with God. It's an emergency. It's a 911 call. God wants to talk to us. He wants to communicate with you. He wants you to communicate with him. You know, this Sermon on the Mount, the interesting thing is that he keeps coming back to this topic. He's talked about prayer already. He gave us the model prayer. He, he talked about prayer without babbling like the pagans. He keeps coming back to prayer. It's almost like prayer is important. Many times in the Gospels, you see Jesus going away up the mountainside to find a quiet place to pray. But boy, I think we take prayer way too much for granted. Ask, seek, and knock. In the Greek language, these are what's called present active imperatives statements. In other words, he's telling us to ask and keep asking. They're present, you're, at, you're doing it. They're, they're active. Present, active, you're actively doing it. Imperative means do it, do it. Keep doing it. Active means to keep doing it. He's telling us to seek and keep on seeking. He's telling us to knock and keep on knocking. And I think what he's teaching us here is the, the progression or intensity of prayer in our life. Ask, seek, and knock. Asking is at the basic level. You know, if I'm sitting at home and my cup hits empty, uh, I could, I, I, I need to ask for some help. So I'm on the recliner. I look over at my wife and I could ask her to get up and go get me something to eat. I'm sorry that that was a, like a 1960s thing, but that's what I could do. That's ladies. That's the first thing that goes through our mind. That's not always what we do though. Give us some credit. Or I could wait till Jameson to come down from upstairs and ask him. But who knows how long I'm going to have to wait to ask him. Or I could, I could lower my recliner and I could get up. Bingo. Okay, I just went from asking to seeking. Now I'm going to go get it. So asking demonstrates a humility about my request. I, I need help. I need help. Seeking demonstrates a determination. I'm going up. I'm going to the kitchen. I'm going to get what I need. And then knocking, I think, demonstrates an urgency about my request. I know it's in here. I, I, I know it's there. Come out. Now, I don't have the 
I'm not magic. I don't make the stuff come out of the refrigerator into my glass. I have to reach in and get it. But you get my, you know, my illustration breaks down at some point, but you get the idea. This is the intensity of prayer, the intensity of prayer. Asking is at the basic level. Yeah, we pray. You have children, you pray for them, right? You pray for them. You should be. You should be praying for your children. From before they're conceived, you should be praying for them. Seeking demonstrates a determination. So you should, you should, when they're sick, you know, you should really get down and pray with them and, and pray for relief. And you don't want to see them suffer. You want to help them. And then when a doctor says, hey, your child has this and we're going to have to really fight it. It could take their life. Boy, the prayers are at a whole new level now, aren't they? They're at a whole new level. There's an urgency about your prayers. I remember when our grandson was, our, our young, uh, youngest grandson was born during just the pandemic had just started. And uh, he was fine until, you know, he got some pneumonia and RSV in his lungs. And they had to take him to Ruby. They lived in Morgantown. They had to take him to Ruby Memorial. And uh, because school was out, my wife was able to go up there and sit with the older child while, while my daughter and her husband just passed each other in the lobby of the hospital. They just because they, they wouldn't let them both stay in there because of COVID. And so they, for 21 days, they just passed each other in the, in the hospital waiting room or the uh, lobby there at Ruby. And so I was here, I was here and I felt so helpless, felt so helpless because thoughts will enter your mind and the worst thoughts will come into your mind because he's so tiny fighting for his life and we weren't getting good progress reports and, and, uh, you know, he, his daddy was in the medical field, his mommy's in the medical field. So they're, they, they know the information and they're sharing it. And it's so painful. And all I could do was pray. And I knew God knew what I needed. I knew God knew the situation, but that's all I could do. And man, I would wake up at night. It was the hardest time of my life without question. Those 21 days in 2021, we were all worried about COVID. And that was on top. Worrying about getting COVID was on top of everything going on with him. But I want to tell you what, I prayed. I just prayed as all I could do was pray. We just prayed. I couldn't be there because I was here. We had stuff to do. But I want to tell you something. The intensity of my prayer life took a huge leap forward. And for those of you who are praying like that now, I, I, I know how you feel. It's, it's, it's an ache. It's a hurt. There's an urgency about what you're saying. In Luke 18, Jesus told a parable about a woman who wanted something from a judge. And this was an unjust judge. He was a bad judge. But the woman kept harassing him, kept going back to him and saying, hey, I need this justice. I need justice in my life. And finally, the judge relented and said, give her what she wants to get her off our back. Now, this is an interesting story that he's teaching his disciples. And what's the lesson from it? Well, in Luke 18, verse 1, he, Luke tells us, Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Not give up. And the beautiful thing is, we have a God who's not unjust. He loves us. 
So verses 8 through 11, we'll skip down to verses 8 through 11. We have a God who wants to give us good gifts. He wants to. If your son or daughter asks for a, something to eat, you don't give them something poison. You don't give them something they can't eat. You, you want to give them the best. I mean, what parent would not do anything in their power to help their child? What grandparent wouldn't do anything, even giving up their own life, so that their child, their grandchild could live? I don't know if there's any. God wants to give you good gifts. He has a warehouse full of them. You got your name on it. They're theirs for the asking. They're theirs for the asking. That's what he's saying here. God, God's a loving father. He's a good, good father who wants to give good gifts to you. He wants to. And so now, now we're back to the golden rule. Back to the golden rule. And what does the golden rule have to do with giving? I think, I think it has to do with how you treat people. God has been so good to us. He has given us so much. Amen? That's, that's what we need to share with those around us. That's what they need. What you have, what he's given you, they need. Now, I know there are some of you here right now who are struggling because you've received something, but you don't think it's good. When I was a, when I was a little kid, uh, you know, we, I was rough and tumble like my grandkids and always got scraped knees, scraped knees. And oftentimes that one place on the knee would almost heal and then you'd fall again and scrape it again. And my grandmother was, she became legally blind. She, she, her eyesight wasn't that good, but inevitably I'd be at her house and scrape my knee and she'd bring me in and, um, Remember, I grew up in the 1900s, like some of you did, and she took this little bottle uh, of red stuff. It was called, anybody know what it was called? Mercurochrome. And it had a stick on it. You remember the stick? Anybody don't know what mercurochrome is? You know, today they got spray stuff. You just spray it. And my grandmother, she would take that and, and in an attempt to rub that over my wound, she would stick the end of that in my wound. Oh, I mean, it was painful, painful. And she'd get that covered and I had to sit there and take it. You know, and this was good for you. Like some of you might have taken castor oil when you were kids. Anybody? I, I never did have to do that, but I think I took stuff worse. It doesn't taste good, doesn't feel good, but it, it's good. It's good for you. It's going to make you better. And if it doesn't, God will heal you anyway because your grandmother put it on there. And there are some things in your life that you, you may not think are good because they're hurting, they're painful. But God is, you know, he, he's better than your grandmother. He's, he's giving you what you need. He, he's giving you what you need and what you need is a healing, a cleansing. It may hurt, it may hurt for a little while, but it's good for you. And so take a deep breath and look at, look at the bigger picture and ask yourself, God, is, if this is something you're giving me, I know it's good for me. Help me through it. I'm not asking you to take it away, God, because it's a gift from you. 
Could you possibly look at the tough times in your life that way as a gift from God? They very well could be. I'm not saying everything is, but they very well could be. And if God gives it to you, it's good. And it's going to make you better. For we know that in all things, God causes good. And so that's the good gifts. I hope, I hope you can receive them today. Almighty God, we thank you so much for this message, for the words of your son. We thank you for the good gifts in our life. Most of those, Lord, we, we just, we love, we enjoy, we openly receive. But Lord, some of them we know are, are, are painful. Some of them we know, Lord, are, are for our good. They're for our good. So they're good gifts. And I pray, God, that whatever anyone's going through right here, they could look at the tough time in their life as something good. What you're doing in their life, the hard thing. God, that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.